You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. But when Joe asked me uh, to come this morning, he said he'd be in Africa. And uh, I was really honored, and I said, what are we talking about? And he said, we're talking about the nature and the character of God, and, and that's a very broad topic, which is wonderful for a, a guest speaker because it gives you a little freedom. Uh, but I've been thinking for the last few weeks as he invited me, you know, Lord, what do you want me to say? And, and really, I just wanted to share something that's been on my heart that the Lord's been doing in me for really the last six months to a year. And uh, when you think about God, you, you know, like the card gives this description and it says, we're going to be talking about um, who is God exactly? Can we connect with him like we do with a human being? Does he have feelings? The definition of theology is the study of God. Uh, join us as we dive into basic theology, define God's nature, and come to a deeper understanding of what he is like. So in my talk this morning, I want, to, I want us to all try to come to a deeper understanding of what God is like, and really my, my subject here is living a life of thank yous to God. And um, as I've spent time over the years reflecting on who God is and what he's like and what he responds to and what he hates and what brings him joy, uh, one of the things, there, there are three main things that I want you to leave with today, and the first thing is that God calls his work good. And uh, we, see, we see it very clearly in the Genesis 1 account of creation. It says that in the beginning God created, and then in that chapter we see several things. He created light, and it said that he saw that it was good. He created land and seas, and he saw that it was good. He created vegetation, trees, and every seed, and he said that it was good. He created day, and he created night, and he said that it was good. He created the creatures of the sea and every winged bird, Genesis said, and he said that it was good. And then verse 31 of Genesis 1 says, God saw all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So this God that we serve is a God that loves what he has done. He absolutely is enamored with his creation. And he, he knows that he's good. It, it's, it's one thing for us to, to look at our lives and see things that we're good at and really take pride in those things. And, and, it, and it can get into sin. But when God takes an account for what he's done and he looks at it, it's absolutely not pride for him to be proud of what he has done. It's not a, it's not a human, sinful, I did this kind of a pride. Because God is God. He is everything. Scripture says that he was, and he is now, and he forever will be. So this is the everlasting God who is the creator of everything that we see. And he sees that it is good. And he also takes pleasure in seeing that our lives are good, I would suggest, as Christians. So um, one of these, uh, several months ago, my wife and I were looking at our house. We have this nice little house, kind of a tiny place for me and her and our baby, and we love it. And there's this kind of ratty carpet that we had, and we were thinking, we need to do something about this. We had this really nasty linoleum floor in the kitchen, and it had like a million dings in it from dishes and stuff dropping. And you know how linoleum gets over time. It was like 10 years old. And so we decided on our main level, the kitchen and the, the living room, that we wanted to tear up all the carpet and do something with it. And so um, I had looked into buying some wood. And I'm not like a handy guy. Um, I'll tell you a story. When I was like 10 years old, went to Christmas at my grandpa's house. And there was this massive box underneath the Christmas tree. 
and it said Becky, which is my mom. So my mom goes over and opens it up, and it's this full set of craftsman tools that my grandpa had bought my mom. And my dad looked at him like, you gave it to Becky? And he said, I knew if I gave it to you, you wouldn't know what to do with it. So that, that's kind of the line that I come from. I, you know, I, I can do certain things well, but you know, working with my, my hands and making something from nothing is not typically my strength. But I wanted to do this, and uh, it really motivated me when we got a quote for a company to come in and do it. It was like $8,000, and buying the wood would be 2000 so I said, I'll buy the wood, and I'll make it happen somehow. So um, I just started cutting out the carpet, ripping it up, taking off the baseboards, knowing that I wasn't going to be able to live in a house with you know, torn up carpet and jacked up baseboards very long, so it would motivate me to, to start doing it. So we moved all the furniture out, tore up the carpet, I called in a few buddies, and we had the wood, and we just started. And 18 hours later, we worked straight from like 5 in the morning on a Saturday all the way till 1 or whatever it was, Sunday morning. And we finished it, and the, it just it really makes it pop. And having started that project, being a guy that stinks at, at you know, construction and making stuff out of nothing, uh, it was really rewarding for me. And um, when Lisa tells the story, friends will come into our home and they'll say, oh, I really like, man, this is messing with me here. I really like your wood floors. And Lisa will say, well, Daniel did that you know, all by himself. And man, when she says that, I just, <laughs> I am all hers. Anything she wants, you know, she just praises me because she knows that I stink at that kind of stuff, but I set my mind to it and I figured it out and made it happen. And so when Lisa kind of brags on that project, it's Man, when, when she says that it's good, it's good, and it really makes me love her all the more. So I think that that leads me to my second point, that God takes special notice of people who call him and his work good. And just like when Lisa, when Lisa makes special notice of me and, and talks about the work that I did there in the house, I really take special notice of her, and I, and I go out of my way to make her know how much I appreciate her recognizing <laughs> that project. Uh, Psalm 100 is a great passage in Scripture that you're probably familiar with. I'm going to read it out of the message version. Um, it says in verse 4, Enter with the password, thank you. You can only come into his courts with praise. Thank him and worship him. And in that passage, we see that you can only come into God's presence with thanksgiving and praise, that Eugene Peterson says it so beautifully that enter with the password, thank you. And our God is a God who responds. He loves thank you. He loves praise. He loves people who adore him. He loves people who love what he's done in their lives. And so if you want to get into God's presence, I would suggest to you that you become a person that says thank you a lot to God. Scripture says that if you say thank you, if you come to God with a grateful heart, if you come to him with thanksgiving overflowing and, and saying it with your lips, you are going to know this God better. You're going to get access to him. You're going to be able to come directly into his courts because of a thankful heart. So God takes special notice of people who call him and his work good. Taking a historical look at the people of God, uh, we see that murmuring and complaining has been a huge issue for all time. I mean this complaining thing is nothing new. And it's been, from day one, it's been an issue for God's people. And so I want to take a look at Numbers 11, uh, the first five verses, and just 
tell you a story here about the people of God uh, of old. It says in Numbers 11, verse 1, Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. But then we see in verse 4, it says, The common people with them began to crave other food. And again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and all this stuff that they got to eat. But now we lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. So they just left Egypt. God parts the Red Sea and lets probably two million people cross. They say that there were probably two million in the the people of God at that time. So they cross the Red Sea and then Pharaoh and his army gets out in the middle of the sea trying to catch up with them. The waters come over them and kill them all right there. No one survived. Then they go over into the desert and a few days later they start getting mad at God because all he's given them is bread. And he's providing miraculously every morning. You guys probably know the story how they'd go outside of their tents and there was manna, this bread on the ground, just miraculously, boom, there's your food for the day. And every day it was there, except on Saturdays, there would be two portions so they didn't have to go work for it on Sunday. So God just gives them all the provision they need. He's taking care of them. He's saying, I love you, I'm your father. And then they start eating this bread day after day and then they, then they say, if only we had meat to eat. And they remembered that at no cost. Back in, they, they thought it was no cost. But back in Egypt, they got this fish and, and all these meats. And yet their kids were in bondage to slavery. And their kids had never known their own homeland. And they were being beaten and whipped and worked you know, 20 hours a day. And, and they were slaves. And they get out in the desert and God provides this bread for them. And he's saying, I want to take care of you. And they start saying, we need to go back to Egypt. It would be better for us to be in Egypt eating, eating fish and getting ourselves whipped around all day. And they started this murmuring and complaining, and it spread throughout the camp. And it says that the Lord became exceedingly angry with them. And it, it, I don't read the story and say, how could they do that? Because I know that this is me, these, these children of Israel that we're reading about. How many times in my life has God miraculously provided for me and given me everything I needed and taken care of me at every turn? And then I start saying, if only I was back in Egypt, at least I had fish back there. And, and, I, and I live this ungrateful uh, entitlement kind of life that I deserve better. And we see that God gets ticked off by ungratefulness. You know, this, this whole series is the nature and the character of God. And so I want to highlight that that in this, in this passage and all throughout Scripture, we see that our God is a, a Father who hates it when people complain and when people murmur and when people are ungrateful and when people uh, act as if they deserve better. But most importantly, He responds to thankfulness. He responds to love. He responds to a grateful heart. One of my favorite passages in Scripture, and many of you probably know it, it's Psalm 103. And it says, Oh, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who redeems my life from destruction, who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things, 
so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. This is our God who takes care of us. And Eugene Peterson paraphrased it. He said, Oh, my soul, bless God. From head to toe, I will bless his holy name. Oh, my soul, bless God. And don't forget a single blessing. I love that last line. Don't forget a single blessing. And as I was preparing this week, it was Tuesday and I was at home early in the morning and I was just reading over this passage. And I was sitting in a, a leather chair that we have and, uh, in that room where I put in the wood floors. And uh, thank you, Lisa, for taking every opportunity to praise me on that. But no, I was, sitting, I was sitting in that chair, and as I read that, and don't forget a single blessing, I started looking around in, this, in, in one little room that we have, and it opens up into the kitchen. And so from that chair, I decided to make a catalog to write down everything that I could see that God has blessed us with. So as I'm sitting there in the chair, I, I typed this out on the laptop. I saw three lamps. I saw four picture picture frames with beautiful family pictures. I saw countless candles. Saw a piano. I saw nice furniture. Too many to really, too many pieces to outline. And Lisa and I are not rich, like <laughs> crazy. We aren't big time big timers. We're we're just kind of normal. We got a one year old, and we're trying to save some money for her college and her wedding one day. You know, so. <laughs> As I'm reading you this list, don't think that I live in the Black Forest with like a nine-bedroom home. Um, a, co a comfy chair that I was sitting in with an ottoman, a nice leather couch with pillows and cozy blankets, a Bible and a devotional book and a journal, blinds to cover the windows in decorative shades, a hand-embroidered piece for my great-grandma that's 100 years old and it's hanging over our kitchen table and it says the Lord will provide. She just she sewed it. And my grandma gave it to me because 10 years ago I was at her house and I said, Grandma, I love that. And so she wrote my name on the back of it and gave it to me for my 25th birthday. So that's hanging over our, our table. Our kitchen table and six chairs I could see from that chair. An old desk for my grandma from the 1940s that she gave us. A clock, an iPod on an iPod home, scores of great books, heating and air conditioning unit, a vacuum, uh, wood floors, carpet, uh, a coat closet overflowing with coats, two laptops, a, a backyard with trees and grass, and a hammock. And I just stopped. I was overwhelmed with everything that I could see, and, and I could have gone on. But I just was thinking, Psalm 103, and don't forget a single blessing, Scripture tells us. They make it very clear. Bless the Lord from head to toe. Everything that's within you, be one that blesses the Lord's holy name. He's worthy. He is so good. He is so deserving of our praise. Make, make it so that you are a person that praises the Lord. The psalmist was encouraging us. But all those things that I just read to you that, that are in our home, all of that's going to go away. Probably in five years we'll get tired of that couch or it'll be worn out and we'll need a new one. And at some point those wood floors are going to be junky and... Uh, those lamps are going to be outdated and th that'll all go away. It's, it's not going to be an eternal thing. But what God has done for me and for all of us in this room and for all those that call upon his name and really for all those who haven't called upon his name, God has made available just countless things to us that I wanted to write out as well. So right, at, right after I made that list of things that I could see in my home, I wrote out a list of things that God has done for every believer and for every person that wants it. And I want to read those to you. He saved us from eternal separation from Him and from eternal death. 
He made it so that he is our father and we are his children. Scripture says that he wrote our names in his book, in the Lamb's book of life. But even more personally, it says that he wrote our names on the palm of his hand, that somehow God has such a big hand that he's able to inscribe billions of people. I mean, for the last 2,000, from, from eternity past, I mean, how many people's names does he have on his hand? This is our God who, who inscribes Daniel Grothy on his hand, and, and that means that he loves me. And he inscribes Jake on his hand. And he, every single one of us in here that calls on the name of Jesus, we are written on his hand, and he can't forget us. Very often when I'm running around and I think of something I need to do, I'll just take a pen and write it on my hand because I know that I will not forget it. I can write it in my calendar and I, I might forget it. But if I just scribble it down here, I'm not going to forget it. And this is what our God does for us. He takes some sort of instrument and writes our name on his hand. There's no way. The, the point there is there's no way that he can forget about you. There's no way that he's going to neglect you. There's no way that he's going to forsake you or turn from you. And he can't forget about you personally. Insert your name here. God loves <laughs> and has written on his hand. I love that picture. Bottled up all my tears and promised to hear all of my prayers. How does that happen? But apparently heaven has some chamber somewhere where all of our tears that we've cried are bottled up. Every single drop. And he's got our name written on it. You know, Daniel's tears here. And I'm sure it's a 55-gallon drum worth of tears. And he, and he hears all of our prayers and he understands. And not only that, but he answers all of our prayers. He gave us authority to use his name and watch things happen. He redeemed our lives from destruction and overwhelming dysfunction. How many of you have grown up in dysfunctional situations and, and you made it okay? I mean, I can't tell you how many times the Lord has rescued me from my own dysfunction and my own junk. He gave us a desire to please Him and obey Him. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is at work within you, causing you to will and to do His good pleasure. That scripture says that not only does He cause us to want to do His good pleasure, He helps us to do it. So He doesn't just say, look, you, know, you should be wanting to obey me, but you're on your own. If you do it, you do it. If you don't, you don't. He, he gives us help to obey Him. He's taken away our previously insurmountable doubt and given us simple, childlike faith to believe. I don't know how many of you have struggled with doubt, but man, doubt has been something that I've had to overcome time and time again. Even now, I struggle with doubt, wondering, Lord, are you going to provide for me and Lisa and Lillian? Is my little daughter going to be okay? I mean, are we going to be able to feed her? Are we going to... And, and I know that that should be silly thinking, but really that's something that I struggle with from time to time, and I just have to keep taking it back to the Lord. But he's helping me, he's, he is helping me overcome that doubt. And the same with you as well. He's given us peace that endures through any situation. He's given us family and friends. He's prepared a place for us in heaven. Jesus said when he was leaving, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. In my house there are many mansions. You, your name is on one of them. What incredible blessing that, that he wants us with him forever in eternity. That he's going and he is currently now preparing a place for us. Maybe some of your uh, homes are completed. Mine's probably still under construction because he's got to see if he's going to need to give me a big one or a small one based on how I do here. But 
Anyway, um, he snatched us out of darkness and out of quicksand. Our lives, man, this, this faithlessness and doubt and sin is like quicksand and it sucks us in. And we, we can't get ourselves out of it. We're doomed without Christ. And yet he comes and he rescues us. He pulls us out of that and he sets us on the rock that he calls himself, the rock of Jesus Christ that will never be shaken. He's untangled the mess of our former lives and made things right. Scripture says in Romans that he can turn things that are bad into good. That all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And, and I don't know how some of the things that I've done he could untangle, but I've watched him do it right in front of my eyes, and he continues to do it. And for all of you, you may have a past. You may have a sto- we all have a past, but you may have a really checkered past, a, a nasty story. And as you seek the Lord and thank him and live for him and, and search for him and try to find him, he will untangle that and make it beautiful. Scripture says in Ecclesiastes that he makes everything beautiful in its time. And he can, and he can take something that was so yucky and make it so lovely. He's instantly accepted us when we called on the name of Jesus. And what I love is that he didn't give us a five-year probation period. I mean, honestly, everything in the world system is like, yeah, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to watch you. I'm going to make sure that you don't take advantage of me again. And the first moment you try to take advantage of me again, we're done. And that is, that is I mean, that's our legal system. That's, that's how people go to jail. And, and that's necessary. We need laws in place to keep people from hurting other people. But this is not our God. That when we call on his name, we come to him and we repent and we say, I need you. That's it. it scripture says he buries our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Now, that doesn't mean that God can't remember what we've done. Some people, I think, believe that. But that would be denying his nature uh, and saying that he can't actually remember things. The, the idea is that he buries them, that he doesn't even, it doesn't affect him. He doesn't see us through the filter of our past. He sees us through the filter of Christ Jesus and the work of the cross. So that is God, that he doesn't say, yes, uh, I'll forgive you, but next time you mess up, you're gone. You know, you're, you're going to hell. He changed us, two more things. He changed us from servant status to personal close confidants and friends. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. You are my friends. A a servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but because you're my friend, you'll know everything that I'm doing and you'll be right there involved with it. And he entrusted us with telling his story. His story hinges on people like us. And he called 12 guys that were fishermen and tax collectors, and some of them very shady, most of them very uneducated. And he said, you know, this is how I'm going to tell my story. It's you guys. And when he left, he said, go for it. I give you all the authority in heaven and on earth. Go use my name. Cast out demons. Make it happen. It's on you guys, and I trust you. And how does, how does the all-powerful, all-knowing God of all the earth trust frail, broken pots like us with telling his story. But somehow that's how he saw fit, and, and he loves that. I could go on and on, and, and this is not even close. I mean, I could give all of us the assignment for the rest of our lives to go sit down at a laptop and write out the things that God has done for us, and we would never get there. I mean, for, for the next 50 million, thousand, hundred million years, we could all do that and never get there at describing who our God is and how wonderful he is. But I wanted to let you know that 
yeah, we have these great things in our lives, you know, that God's blessed us with, and, and maybe some of you have cars, and maybe some of you have homes, or whatever. We're all blessed in our own way, and God has taken care of us. But th- those material things aren't really the most important. It's what has he done to set us free from eternal death and from sin and from separation from himself for eternity. Pondering what he's done for us engenders a heart of gratefulness. Like th- this list that I wrote out, I probably took 30 minutes to just think about, and I really narrowed it down. What, what has God done for me? And after I wrote that out, I just was just brimming over with joy and affection for God and loving him and thanking him. And when, when we take account for what he's done, it causes us to be grateful. Psalm 118, verse 19 This is before Christ, obviously, and uh, it paints a beautiful prophetic picture of the day when Christ would come. But Psalm 118.19 says, Open for me the gates of righteousness. This, This beautiful imagery of righteousness being closed off and gated and shut. And the psalmist is saying, Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord, he says. So before Christ... The gates of righteousness were closed and no one could get in. We were all locked out. We were all on the outside. We were in big time trouble and it, it wasn't looking good. I mean, we couldn't, you know, the prophets even, uh, you know, they foretold by the Spirit of God a day when people would be redeemed. But for the most part, if you were thinking about it, it, it wasn't looking good, you know. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. But when the gates of righteousness were opened by Christ Jesus, and we had access all of a sudden, that's when our hearts need to respond with gratefulness. I would argue that when you understand what Christ has done, that you can't not be grateful. That you can't live a life, a constant life of, of grumbling. And you, you certainly can if you decide to, but it's, it makes it harder to when you understand the depth of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. So open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give praise to the Lord. There have been times lately, I told you that the Lord's been working this in me for the last six months or a year. And it really, I think it started um, in earnest with Lillian being born just a little over a year ago. And, and I, I always knew that being a dad would be the most incredible thing. And I would love it and it would be amazing. And it had, I mean, my expectations haven't even scratched the surface of what it really is. I mean, just how incredible God is to give us children. And, and I mean, just go in, into her room late at night when she's asleep just to peek at her, you know, just because you can't stay away for very long. And my wife and I have this, this video monitor. I don't know if you've seen them now. When we were kids, they just had, like, the, the noise monitors. And maybe your parents had them, maybe they didn't. But, you know, you could hear what was going on if they were crying. But now they have these video monitors that have uh, night vision, and you can lay in bed. It's crazy. Lay in bed and watch your kid and watch them sleep and watch them sit there and read books and drink their bottle and whatever they're doing. And so sometimes it's, we're just laying in bed at midnight and, and we'll kind of wake up and say, hey, pass the video monitor. And we just watch. And oh, look at that. She's twitching, you know, or, or she's, bre- she's snoring or just everything is beautiful. And uh, it started with that. And as she's grown and, and just thanking God for everything that he's done and Lisa and I that we love marriage and we love each other and we're faithful to each other and we love being the parents of this beautiful girl that God has given to us and 
God is telling us more about him through watching her and, and listening to her. And uh, it's just, it's incredible. It's okay, Lillian. <laughs> but it started a little over a year ago, but there are times I'll be driving in the car, not listening to praise and worship music, not praying, not thinking about God. But God will just give me this flash of what he's done. Just this, this deep sense of knowing for what God has done. And I will just either start weeping uncontrollably or screaming at the top of my lungs. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. Thank you for all that you have done. You are so good. Thank you for Lisa and Lillian. On and on it goes. It'll be 10 minutes where I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs. Thank you. And I don't know why. I, I didn't write that in my calendar to do. But God just has, look, boom. Look what I've done for you. And I, I'm telling you, it's, the more you seek this out, this truth that God loves thank yous, that God desires people that would come into his presence with the password, thank you, I'm grateful, you're so good, that, that God opens up who he is on a deeper level. He, he makes himself known and your heart responds the way that God created your heart to respond. My heart's not responding because I said, okay, let's take 10 minutes and praise the Lord right now. Okay, it, would, it would be good to praise the Lord. My heart's responding just, just instantaneously because God has showed himself, he's shown himself to me. Showed? Shown. God has shown himself to me. So I, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to communicate today is a, is a heart. It's not so much an academic do one, two, and three, and you'll be there. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting you, to, you guys to catch what I'm so grateful God has given to me in the last year. And I, I'm expecting that for the rest of my life, I will be someone who comes with thankfulness and praise and comes into his courts telling him how great he is. And, and in saying all this, I think I was wrestling with it this week, and I was thinking, this, I mean, but what about when I'm struggling? What about when I feel like God's not there? What about when I... I, we don't have enough money. What about, and it's really hard and someone's sick and, and you, you pray for them and they don't get healed and all that stuff. It doesn't mean you, you act like there's no pain in life. It doesn't mean you put on this plasticky Christian, praise the Lord, brother. You know, how are you doing? I'm blessed and I'm highly favored, you know. And, and I'm not saying people, I, man, I am blessed and I am highly favored and I have told that to people before sincerely i really <laughs> i mean mary said it when she found out she was pregnant with jesus she went before the lord and said oh that you consider me this I, i'm the most blessed among women and she was so i'm not saying that stuff is wrong but i'm saying we can't act like s- stuff doesn't go wrong you know i'm not saying living a life of thank yous is all about being uh disingenuous and 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 avoiding the reality of our lives but what I'm saying is, you can be going through a time where someone's sick, or where you don't have enough money, or where you're wondering if God really is, or when you're asking these huge questions, and you can still come back to Him and say, Lord, I praise You. You are the only one. You, you are a faithful God. Even when I'm unfaithful, You remain faithful. I'm saying that in spite of the hard stuff, and the junk, and the dysfunction, and the fear, and the worry, and the doubt, you can respond with thank you. You can respond with, I love you, and I'm so grateful for you. This leads me to my final point, that praising God results in our victory. And I don't, I don't want to sound 
real cliche or I, I had trouble even writing it out, but it's, the Bible is the Bible and the truth of God is the truth of God. And if I believe that praise respond, results in our victory, then I, I need to just say it without apologizing. So I apologize for disclaiming that. Praise results in our victory. Let me tell you the story about King Jehoshaphat. He was getting attacked by the Ammonites and the Moabites. These were big dogs on the world scene in, in that day. I mean, this was, this was, they were dead. They were done. It was over. And one of his servants comes to him and says, the Moabites, the Am- Ammonites, they're on the move. They're coming. I mean, they're almost here. So the king freaks out and he calls a na- national fast. They've got like two days before they get there. And so he said, no one's eating for the next two days. They start praying. They start crying out to God. What are we going to do? Help us, O Lord, our God. If we don't have you, we're in trouble. And in the midst of that national meeting, this guy pipes up and he says, here's what God wants us to do. And he said, basically, it, it, it came down to send out all the worshipers and the people who praise the Lord. Send them out in front of the army. And they're going to be our front line. And no weapons, uh, no defense. Just go out there and start singing songs of praise to the Lord. And I can't imagine if I was a Levite in that day being real happy about that prophetic word that that guy gave. Like, heck no, I ain't going out there. (laughs) Send someone with a sword out there. But they go out with their strings and their tambourines and their cymbals and totally exposed one arrow and they're done, you know. Uh, all they had to do was walk up and chop their head off, do whatever they did back in that time, and it was over. And yet, they were really convinced that this is what God wanted them to do. Send out the people who are going to praise me and worship me first. So as they do that, we pick up in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 21, and it said, After talking it over with the people... Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God, dressed in holy robes. They were to march ahead of the troops, singing, Give thanks to God. His love never quits. And that was their song. And he said, Go sing, give thanks to God. His love never quits. Just keep singing it until something good happens. So these people go out, and the scripture says, As soon as they started shouting and praising... God set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir as they were attacking Judah, and they all ended up dead. The Ammonites and Moabites mistakenly attacked those from Mount Seir and massacred them. Then, further confused, they went at each other and all ended up killed. Not a single one of them lived. God responds to our thank yous. And as we go out in the midst of our struggle and in the midst of our dysfunction and in the midst of our confusion and we say give thanks to god his love never quits you're going to feel like you don't have a sword you're going to feel like you need some sort of a shield or let's bow up and fight and and this is a big problem and we got to attack this and be ready for it and have the sword of the spirit and and all all this passage is saying is they went out and they sang give thanks to god his love never quits give thanks to god his love never quits Give thanks to God. His love never quits. And I'm sure they were watching these people approach them. And they were thinking, this is so stupid. Give thanks to God. His love never quits. I'm a moron. Give thanks to God. His love never quits. I'm about to get killed. Give thanks to God. His love never quits. 
But they did it, and they did it, and sincerity will rise up. I, I, I sincerely believe that there are times when you don't feel like praising the Lord, but if you just start doing it, and you use the Word of God as your, your model, you just say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't feel like I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And God made the way for me through Christ Jesus, and I've been set free, and I've been delivered from sin. I don't have to be a slave to what I used to be a slave to. I'm free, and I don't feel free, and sometimes I go back over here, but the Bible says I'm free, and God paid for it through Christ. And so I'm free. I'm free, and and you can start to build faith in your heart, and you may not believe it when you start, but you can grow into believing the truth of the Word of God as you stick with it, and you just decide to give thanks to the God whose love never quits. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be uh, uh, tear-free. It doesn't have to be um, <laughs> all polished. And it, it just, do you thank God? Do you love the Lord for what He's done for you? Do you really believe that what He's done is true, it's real, and it's made available to you? And if so, respond to Him, come to Him, with the password, thank you, as the scripture says. Enter his courts with praise. And so on your, on your tables, if we can just take the next five minutes, it'll be silent in here, no one will be talking. But, but there's white paper on your table and, and some pens. What I wanted to do today was just sit down and kind of catalog some of the things that God has done for us. Just write it as an individual. Write it with your family story and your history with God. And just... Take time and say, God, I want to thank you and write out everything you can think of in the next five minutes to thank him for. Scripture says that you will overcome them by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. And I believe that what we've just done is the word of our testimony. It's, yes, Christ died on the cross for us, And it's coupled with our testimony that we say what God has done for us. And we say it to God, and we say it to other people, and we say it by show, 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 show who God is. We show God's love by the way we act. And so if you guys are are okay with it, just, just bow your heads with me and let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that you are who you are, and that you are truly the one and only God. And we believe that, and we come before you, as Scripture says, with thanksgiving. We come before you with praise. We are so grateful for all that you've done. God, if it weren't for you, we would be in trouble. And we just want you to know how much we love you. We want you to know how much we want to show you off to other people. And God, we pray that our lives would be the message, that our lives would tell the story accurately who Christ Jesus is. Lord, we're grateful for every good and perfect gift that you've given us. And it's in Jesus' name that we thank you. Amen.